Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. Man, I'm glad you guys are with us. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming out and being a part of uh, this uh, very special weekend. As uh, Colonel Brown said, this is Veterans Day weekend. We're so incredibly thankful for the country we get to live in, uh, the freedoms that we have because of the brave people that help bring those to us. So we're, we're man, we're in a, in a place of just what can't we be thankful for? God has given us so much. And uh, we're, uh, we're continuing on in this series, so if you're new, if this is your first time at Harbor, if you're watching online or uh, listen to it on the podcast, my name is Josh, I'm the lead pastor here at Harbor Church. And my name is Kaylee, I am Josh's wife, uh, prayers appreciated. Um. <laughs> Anyways, um, we, uh, we are going to jump into uh, this new series, and I'm, I'm excited to share it with you. But before we do, real quick, I just want to say we just came out of um, October, which was Pastor Appreciation Month, and Kaylee and I, man, we were so blessed. Guys, we just want to say thank you. So many of you sent us uh, letters and texts and emails and just encouraged us and your generosity, the gifts and the encouragement was just, man, I was, I mean, like yeah. we were... We were moved to tears several times just uh, getting to be um, the leaders at this church. And so we never thought five years ago that we would be in this place and that God would have blessed us with so many people with such big hearts. So, man, we're incredibly thankful uh, that we get to do that. And um, I wanted, I invited Kaylee to kind of to speak alongside me this weekend on this topic because we're, we've been looking at kingdom logic. We've been looking at what it means uh, to be kingdom focused. And if you haven't heard that before, Jesus talked time and time again about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We have to be, we have to be moving towards this and, and living for the kingdom. And the idea is that the kingdom of God is the way God wants it, the way things should be. And unfortunately, we live in a broken earth and most people are, are living with a castle mindset. A kingdom mindset says, I'm focusing on God. And the castle mindset says, I'm focusing on me. And the kingdom mindset says, what does God have for us? And the castle mindset says, how can I make myself happier? And uh, as we've been looking at that, we've been talking about how a servant should act and how we should value it and what we should do. But what we didn't talk about was how the church should respond and what the church should do uh, with a kingdom mindset. And so Kaylee and I've had a lot of conversations about this. When we started Harbor, we had a lot of different ideas on what that would look like. And uh, as we've grown, we've been asking God, what do you have for us to do next? And what does the kingdom look like for Harbor? And what can we do together? And so um, we're going to talk together about a passage that has, um, man, it, it's, it's, it has completely uh, crush me and kick my butt, and I don't know if I could get through it without Kaylee. So I'm going to have her have half of it, just so I can get through it. But it's been it's been it's been such a cool trip to see what God is doing for the kingdom through Harbor. Yeah, this Kingdom Logic series has been so cool, and kind of looking at you know the idea of this upside down kingdom and how logic is sort of backwards and different than what you'd expect and what we often hear in the world. Um, one of the things is one of the when we were starting Harbor, there was a few passages that were really instrumental. Um, and a few passages that we came back to over and over and over again as we were kind of setting culture and figuring out what it was that God wanted us to do. And one of, one of the biggest, honestly, if not the biggest passages uh, that we used was 2 Kings 4, um, 1 through 7. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that story for you because going forward for the rest of this message, it's, kinda, it's good to have a broad view, hear the whole thing at once, and then we're going to pick it apart a little bit. So I'm going to read this out. Um, one day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. 
But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour the olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after the other. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now, sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. So a very powerful miracle, if you've never heard of this miracle of Elisha. Um, he, does a, he does quite a few in the Old Testament, but this one is the miracle of the olive oil in the jars, or the widow's oil, or the widow's jars. It's got a couple different names, but uh, I, I've used this passage. It was, it was uh, so influential and harbor starting because we, we were just praying, God, would you just pour out your blessings on us? And man, we looked at a couple different stories, but this is one of the stories that really motivated us. And you see, here's, here's the thing I, I, I used to look at when I looked at the story. I would see it and I would see God's blessings flow. And I see the oil stop. I see the blessings stop when she runs out of jars. And uh, the way I would look at that and pray through that and the way I led as a pastor was I looked and said, you know, if, if God's going to bless Harbor, if God's going to pour out all these people, if God's going to send people into these doors, then we better get our jars in order and we better get systems out. And so I kept, I kept thinking of all the jars that Harbor Church could have. To, to, to encourage God to bless us with more people. So if we could get a really cool band jar and if we could get a, a really cool, you know, pot for, for uh, you, know, uh, you know, coffee and, and, and hospitality ministries, if we could have this container for parking lot stuff or if I could get funny jokes, that'd be kind of a cool jar. And if, you know, like, I mean, like I had all these things, like, I mean, if I could cool, get these cool things and these different things and these good systems, if I could build this thing, then God would bless. And, and there definitely is an element of God calling us to do our best and to live with excellence where uh, he, he rewards that. But that, that's how I always looked at that passage. And then um, in preparation for, for this weekend and for what we were going to talk about, I really felt like God says, Josh, uh, if you're going to ask about what the kingdom is for Harbor, what, what's next for Harbor, what does the kingdom look like for a church that's growing and a church that... that um, you know, we have so much, so much potential and so much energy right now and so many, so many positive things are happening. I kept going, God, what jar do I need to get next? What system, what staff member do we need to hire? What ministry do we need to start? What jar, what jar you, 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 you want me to get so we can, we can, we can grow the kingdom. And I felt like God said, no, no, go back and read that story again. And, uh, sometimes when God puts something on your heart, Man, watch out. <laughs> so we're going to look at that story a different way. Uh, we're going to look at it differently. Yeah, so you you're guys are kind of getting, you know, the benefit in real time of, of some very, very recent developments. So, you know, buckle in. It's going to get wild. Um, but, yeah, so we're revisiting this story that I, if, if, you've, if you've served at Harbor for any length of time in any capacity, I can nearly guarantee you you've heard us reference this story. But we're going to go back to it. 
And the story starts with a problem. It starts with this, this widow. So her husband was a member of the group of prophets. So her husband had served God uh, his entire life and or for, you know, a good chunk of it, which, you know, comes with a certain amount of, you know, burden on the family. And so their family had kind of, this, this was a sacrifice, basically, that they had made so that he could serve God. So her and her family, her husband's been serving God, and she comes, she comes to Elisha with this problem. She says, hey, my husband served God. He did what he was supposed to do. He did all the things that, you know, he was supposed to do. He, he, we talked last week about, you know, sell everything you have and follow me and the idea of being completely sold out for the kingdom. So here's a guy who did that, but now he's dead, and I'm in a super huge amount of debt, and they're getting ready to take my children into slavery. So man of God, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> And that's how this story starts. It's her kind of coming back to the man of God. It says um, in Philippians, it says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So she's kind of taking the man of God to task like, all right, hey, God said he was going to supply for all my needs. Let's go. Where's it at? Where's it at? I think we ask that a lot, don't we? We say, we, we know the verse, my God will supply all your needs, right? And if you were here last weekend and you hear this message that, that, that Jesus is, is, Casting this vision, if you really find the kingdom of heaven, if you really value the kingdom of heaven, you'll sell everything, you'll forsake everything, you'll 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 give you'll give up relationships, you'll give up everything you have and follow me. And we look and we say, okay, I know I'm supposed to do that, but what happens? That's going to cost me so much. It's going to cost me so much to follow after God. Uh, do we actually believe this verse? Do we actually believe that God will supply all of our needs according to all of the riches that He has in Christ Jesus? And and that's what I want you to lean into. Do you, do you believe that? Because if you do, if you, can, if you can come to this place where you understand that God will take care of you, now you begin to step out in faith. And I think your appreciation of the kingdom, your value of the kingdom, the way you begin to view what God's best for your life is, I think you'll begin to see it as something you can step into and you can pursue. But it's going to come back to if in your heart you believe that the God of the universe will truly meet every need that you have, just like this widow lady now finds herself in a pretty big need. Right, and she finds herself in this need, and she she doesn't have anything. He says, what do you have in the house? And she says, I have nothing. So she's coming to him because she's like, I've got a big bill, and I've also got nothing, and I'm really hoping you can help with that. And there's application for us personally. I mean, obviously, as we go through life, we've got all kinds of different things that we're dealing with. Um, but, you know, as we kind of mentioned at the beginning, this message is also looking at what this looks like as a church. And the truth is, as a church, we have been given a pretty big mission. Mm. Um, she's coming to Elisha because her sons are, are, being, are going to be sold into slavery. And as a church, our mission is to work to free people from the bondage that they're in. Our mission is to preach the word of God and to, and to pull people out of bondage. And so we're looking at this monumental task. Slow okay. down say that again because I don't think they picked up when you're laying down. This mom is, is begging the man of God. My boys are about to go into lifelong slavery to pay for a debt. And she was so burdened with, I've got, I want to see him rescued. Our church is on the same mission. We look around and there are people enslaved to sin that if they died tonight, they will spend forever enslaved to sin, separated from a God who loves them. That should put us on the same mission that it puts that widow. Sometimes you almost have to like, yeah, because then they start to be like, oh, okay. I just, think, I think, I just feel like, like they're- Got they're, it. Write that one down. I, I think that these people are listening to audiobooks on one and a half speed like I am. That's what I, okay, I just feel go. like you guys are all there with me. You're rocking that ADHD life. I'm here for you. So, but yeah, so she's got, this, she's got this big problem, and so do we. She's got this big thing she needs to accomplish, and she has nothing. 
And a lot of times that's yeah. how we feel. Okay, fine, I get it. I'm supposed to go and I'm supposed to make disciples of all the nations. I'm supposed to preach the gospel. I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus. That's a huge task and I have nothing. And what that, am I supposed to do? That nothing I think is what we've been, we've been struggling with is the feeling yeah. like as uh, when we planted Harbor, we're like, we have nothing, God, and what are you going to do? And then as we grow, we still looking, and, and often we have this mindset, and I think all of us are guilty of it, individually, in, in our physical world, but also in the spirit, in our spiritual walks. A lot of times we think we have nothing, and that goes counterculture, doesn't it? Because the world says you need to be self-sufficient. And heck, doesn't the Bible say that? God helps those who help themselves, right? Do you know that's not in the Bible? People are like, that's a Bible verse. It's not. It's, it's attributed to Benjamin Franklin, but he did, he, he's not even the first he one that said it. He didn't write the Bible. It's a fun Yeah, he, well, he didn't write the Bible. That's true. And he's not even the first one that says it. It just sounds good, but it, it's not actually true. Do you, you guys can understand, it's, it's the lack of self-sufficiency that, that, self that, that, God, that, that God loves about the fact that we can't save ourselves. It's as long as you think you can save yourself that you're not going to be able to get there. As long as you think you somehow have the power to take care of all these problems, you're a castle-minded person. A kingdom-minded person says, I, I ain't got it. I mean, this is, what the, this is what Isaiah says about God. God, you are a tower of refuge to the poor, O Lord, a tower of refuge to the needy in distress. He's not there for the people who are like, I got it. God could come sit on my shoulder as my sidekick in case I want a little extra fun today. No, God is there for the person who's like, I'm drowning, help me. I can't do it. It's so much so that... Paul writes to the church in Rome and says, this is, this is, this is where you, you come, but when you, when you get to the place that you understand what salvation is. He says in Romans chapter 5, he says, when we were utterly helpless, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. So it's our helplessness, not the fact that we do have the answer. So I want you to resonate with that, with that, that mom saying, I ain't got nothing. I, how do I accomplish this mission? How can I do anything? When I have nothing. Right. That state of helplessness is, is actually a pretty, like, it's a pretty good place to be as a believer. Our entire, like, our entire understanding of salvation is based on the idea that someone else, that Jesus paid our bill for us. Our, actually, yeah. this idea of self-sufficiency actually runs totally counter to the gospel. Because the whole concept of the gospel is we brought nothing and Jesus did everything for us. Um, it says in 2 Corinthians 521 for God made Christ who never sinned to the off to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ um, every, everything that we have everything that we believe about salvation comes down to an understanding that we are helpless that we didn't bring anything to the table yeah we're not the ones that paid the bill Jesus is the one that picked up the tab on our account. And before we move on, I just want to say, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never had that moment where you invited in the Son of God who died on a cross to cover your sins, that's the most important decision you ever make. A lot of the stuff that Kaylee and I are talking about tonight is, is talking about how you grow in that and grow towards the kingdom, but you, you've got to start with a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're struggling with, I don't know what to do with God, invite him in, let him sit in the driver's seat of your life, admit that you can't take care of your sin, that you can't pay the bill, and then just be glad that he did pay the bill. Like, sweet, he picked up the whole check, tip included. Like, you just, you ate for free. Like, God, like, literally took your sin on himself, and you get, you get a pass to heaven if you'll accept him as your Lord and Savior. So, I mean, you know, they didn't really get too excited about that, but I was excited because I was like, sweet, I eat a lot, and anybody picks up the bill for me, that's, I'm stoked. That's, so, a, real, that's a real undertaking. <laughs> it is, you know, that's um, what it is. 
<laughs> I'm fine. Yeah, so, yikes, this is going in a dark direction, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, so that, like I said, the, you know, the idea of salvation is that someone came in and paid our bill for us. So we get this. If you've put your faith in Christ, then you understood this concept at some point. But a weird, this really weird thing happens to Christians where we're like, all right, I get it. Jesus paid it all. And now I've stepped over the threshold of the kingdom. And now it's all on me again. We kind of just go, okay, now I'm in the kingdom, but now I got to pay rent. And I don't, we don't no. understand that we're actually, we're co-owners now in the kingdom. The Bible says that we're co-heirs with Christ. We come into the kingdom with this idea that we're like orphans who sort of have to earn our way and prove that we belong yeah. there. And God's like, you're adopted. What are you doing? You don't pay me rent. You live here. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where this, this woman is at. Is she's, she's come to this crossroads that a lot of us come to, which is like, okay, I kind of thought God was going to take care of everything, but now it sort of feels like I have to do all the work myself and... I'm just not really sure where to go from here. And she paints this picture of here's the problem. And I think we all come to these, here's the problem. I don't know how to go forward. I don't know what God's going to actually do next. And, and so Elisha, after hearing the problem, he comes up with a solution. And what's Elisha do? He says, all right, all right. What do you got? All right, I get it. You're scared. You don't know, how to, you don't know what, what to do next. Let me ask you a question. What do you got? What's in your house? And so in this moment, Elisha asks her to take inventory. He says, take an inventory of what's in your life. And he goes, what do you got? And what's her first answer? Bring up the verse. She goes, I got nothing. I got, I got nothing. And then she goes, well, I, I oh, hang on, hang on. I got, I, I do got a, a little, a little flask of olive oil. That's, I don't got much. I got nothing. But if you make me really look, I guess I, I got something that everybody's got. I got some olive oil. It's, it's not much. It's anybody could find some of that. It's nothing special. It's not gold or anything like that. So she presents out her, her little flask of olive oil. And I began to think through, God, what, why do you want me to revisit this story? What is it you want us to learn about a widow lady with a little bit of olive oil? And I noticed that she says, I've got nothing. And I, I thought, man, I love how God steps in when we think it's nothing. See, when Jesus yells out to the disciples, you catch any fish? We caught nothing. We ain't got nothing. There's no fish in any of this water. We fished it everywhere. And Jesus goes, hey, just try your nets on the other side. Maybe you didn't hear me, Jesus. We got nothing. <laughs> the giant stepped on a battlefield and he said, you're sending a boy, a little shepherd boy out to me? He's nothing. He's not even worth my time. And God says, I can take nothing and I can turn it into a king. And he watched a little, Jesus watched a little boy walk up to him and says, I don't have anything really. I, I mean, nothing really, if you call it a lunch. It's, it's a couple of pieces of bread and, and a few sardines. It's a lunch for a little boy. It's really nothing. And Jesus says, watch me feed thousands with this. Because Jesus loves to take your nothing the thing that you think is, is I, what I have to bring, what I have, pastor, there's no way God would use me. There's no way God could take the nothingness of my life, the fill in the blank, the, 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 the thing that you have no value for. And so you're like, therefore, God must have no value for it. And God goes, I can take whatever I want and do whatever I want because I am God. That's how it works. And so he's constantly looking to, yeah, you can make some noise for that. He's looking for ways to take to take the, the things that we have taken for granted. And so that reminds me, I mean, as we come into the Thanksgiving season, sometimes God says, do some inventory. You might learn a little bit of gratitude. 
You might say, oh, it's just a little bit of olive oil. It's nothing. And God goes, hey, you, until you can look back on this story and see what I did with nothing, you don't really understand. And I bet you, like, the next year, that lady looks back at her little bit of olive oil when she's paid her debts and her boys are out of slavery and she's got a life to live. She's like, it wasn't nothing. Thank God for that little bit of olive oil. Thank God for the little bit of nothing in my life. And I, I'm reminded, I've been telling our church what, what God kind of pointed out to me in, in Zechariah. And in Zechariah, he says that you should not despise the little beginnings of God in your life. Don't take it for granted. Don't despise the, the small beginnings. That's when the Lord rejoices to watch something take off. God gets excited when you go, do, do I have anything? I have, I have a little bit. And God's like, yes! That's all I need. I just want a little bit. I'm, what's what I'm going to do with a little bit? It says he rejoices, right? I mean, you know, sorry, I talked over all your points. <laughs> I just got excited about it. So um, uh, let me, let, yeah, let, let me talk to you guys real quick before Kaylee gets to the point that I, I stepped over. I'm sorry. We put these cards, my Vanna White wife, um, we, uh, we put these cards on your table because I do, I do believe that God wants us to take an inventory in the church. And it's got, a, it's got room on there for you to, to, to refer to what little you think it might be nothing. I think God's going to do something through the, the nothing that's in, in this room right now. I think God's going to take some of the things that, that we have gone, ah, it doesn't matter. I, Pastor, you can't, there's, not, God, there's no part for me in the kingdom because I, I don't have a cool job. I don't have a really cool skill set. I'm retired. I'm a housewife. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nobody. I'm a whatever. You fill in the blank and, and, and go, I don't, I don't think I could be a part of the kingdom that way. I think God can use every single person any way he wants. So we're asking, hey, let us know. Let us know what it is that you do. Let us know what your hobby is. Let us know what you're interested in. Let us know what your experience is. Because to you, it might be nothing. But one day, maybe in the near future, God opens up a door and we're like, hey, do we have anybody who does that? Do we have anybody that, would, that likes this? Do we have anybody that has any experience? Do we have anybody that knows this, this industry? Because I don't know what doors God is going to open, but I know we're going to need some people that have some knowledge that does not exist on this platform. And so we're looking to say, hey, you know, where is it at? So you don't have to fill out that card, but we'd appreciate it if you did because it gives us a chance to just take inventory and say, hey, let's open the cupboards. What do we got? I don't know, man. I don't know what's sitting in the chairs in front of me. I don't know who's watching, but I feel like, you know, like I, I live in a house and I'm not completely sure what all I've got to work with. And I, and I, I think God's going to show us something pretty powerful through that. Sorry, now, no, now you, and I'm glad you're here because now I get to take drinks during, during it, and it's so much better. I'm glad you're here even if I didn't get to take a drink, but it's, nice. it's great I'm that you're with me. i not just good for snack breaks. That's great. So happy. Um, <laughs> that's not what I meant. I think, I think you say weird stuff to me to derail me just before I'm going to say something. Just, it's just a Sure. Of, it's all good. All right. So here's where it gets super interesting. Um, this is where the whole thing kind of flipped upside down. This ruined our day, and now we're going to ruin your day. So I need you to mm. kind of buckle in with me because it's going to get a little bit weird. So here's the thing with this story. So a lot of stories in the Bible are like this. So there's this physical reality, right? You've got this lady. She has a real problem. This is a real story. You know, it's an allegory. This happened. So this lady has a problem. Her sons are going to be sold into slavery because she's got this debt. She needs to figure that out. God uses a little bit of olive oil that she has to create a lot of olive oil. She sells it. Life is good. This is also 
a picture of a much deeper spiritual reality. We see this happen a lot in scripture. Um, there's a moment in, in um, Exodus where Moses is leading the children of Israel through the desert. They're very thirsty. They're getting dehydrated. They need water. God says, go up to this rock, strike the rock, water will come out. It's a picture of Jesus and how he was broken to give us life. Later on, he tells him to talk to the rock. It's a whole thing, but it's, it's a physical reality. It's real. He needed water, hit the rock, water comes out, but it's also a larger picture of a spiritual reality. Everybody with me? We're going, we're, like I said, we're getting weird tonight, so just buckle in. So yes, the story has this physical reality, but you also need to understand going forward for the rest of this message, it's not going to make sense if you don't know this. Over and over and over and over again in scripture, oil is used as a symbol for the Holy Spirit. Um, it says that Samuel anointed David with oil, and when that happened, the Lord's Spirit came upon him. That's what gave him the power to do what he needed to do as king. Um, it talks about Jesus being anointed with the Holy Spirit. So there's this, the way that they talk about oil and the way that they talk about the Holy Spirit is, is purposefully similar throughout scripture. These things are designed to be sort of mirror images of each other to give us an yeah. understanding. So... We have a story about oil, but we also have a story about something else. And that's, guys, that's where I got wrecked. Because I kept saying, God, uh, I got to get my systems in place and all the cool things that will make the people, the, what I thought the oil was, was God pouring the people into the church and in, in the blessings that I wanted from God. And I think a lot of us substitute in this story. We're like, God, I would love you to bless me with better finances. And God, if I get my, 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 my jars and my cups together, if you, will you bless me with, with a better body? If I do the right thing, God, if I jump through the right hoops, will you give me the right friend or the right husband or the right child or the right job? Or, and we, we, we want God's blessings, and that's how we read this story. And then when you understand what Kaylee just said, that the, that the oil is God's Holy Spirit, when, when you understand that this is, this is a story about the Holy Spirit filling up things, you, you, you're going you're gonna to have to step back and go, okay, wow. I, as, as a pastor, I'm not even going to tell you what, how it hit me individually as a, as a man, but as a pastor, it no longer became a blueprint for how to manipulate God's blessing in our church, and instead it became a manual for how to, to, to see vessels get, get filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's important that we know who we are in this story because we're not the widow mm. and we're not the oil and we're definitely not Elisha. We're the jars. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not cringing, then you're not going through what we went through today and I'm happy for you. But I want you to envision and, and Kaylee's going to help me this, this mom goes, boys, we, we got to get some, we got to get some jars out. Like go, go to our neighbors. The, Elisha says, go to the neighbors and find, find any pot, any jar, any cup, anything you can find big or small, fancy or not, like find them, find anything. The neighbors will give you that'll hold oil. The man of God said, oil's coming. What do we got? And so, you know, they went over, they got, they got, they got the trash can. They do the trash out. They said, we got the trash can. That'll hold something. And we got, we got a dad's old favorite coffee mug. That'll hold something. And you can see these boys running around, scrounging, saying, saying, hey, we need to borrow this. Hey, neighbor, help us out. Help us out. And they begin to collect all of these very fine. cool pieces, big and small. And when you realize what Kaylee just said, we're the jars, we're the cups, you get a beautiful picture of the church. Yeah. This will hurt, this will annoy some people. See, God says that uh, 
He wants them all. A lot of churches think we got to make all the cups look the same. We all got to dress the same and talk the same and shake hands the same way. And, no, and at church, like people, like people think that church is supposed to get us to all be the same. And, and God says, no, I want them all. I want the big ones and the skinny ones. Oh, nobody? Okay. <laughs> I want the short ones. I want the old ones. I want the jars that hold a lot. I want the jars that have never hold, held anything before. I want the cups that are, that are fancy and weird. I, want, I don't care, he says. I don't care about what it used to hold. I don't care about what it used to look like. I don't, he goes, I'm not, I'm not concerned with what other people think about it. You know, he says, I'll take any of them. Any of the jars, any of the pots, the big ones, the fat ones, the small ones, the old ones, the cracked ones. I know I got some cracked pots in this room. <laughs> You know, he begins, he begins to, he tells her it's all about collecting. And I think, man, that's what church is supposed to look like. We don't have to look like each other because God's gifted us differently. He, he, he's got, we, there's a backstory to all of these. Some of them don't have much time here uh, that they've experienced. They haven't done a whole lot, but some of them have tons and tons of things that have happened in their life. And all of them have a value to this, this lady. All of, them, all of them play a role to this lady. Um, I think a lot of times we get all wrapped up in, making sure we get the thing that looks the nicest on the outside, right? How much oil would they have missed out on if the boys only picked the nicest of the pots? Because when that oil starts flowing, I don't care. Give me anything. But see, in, a, in the world side, on the castle side, it's all about what it looks like on the outside. And see, God, God actually reprimands his prophet Samuel. When Samuel goes to anoint David, he doesn't want to anoint David because David's just a scrawny little shepherd boy. He wants, he's like, clearly, God, you want to anoint one of David's brothers because they're big, strong. They look like kings. And God actually says this to him. He says, Samuel, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord, the Lord looks at the heart. So if you're sitting here and you're going, I don't think this is for me because I'm not, the, I'm not a church person. Good. That means you actually belong. He wasn't looking for the one that fit the mold. He's looking for the one that says, hey, I'm, I'm just here. I just want to be filled. Your turn. <laughs> so we see that. It's not about, and it's not about, there's all these different jars because if it was all one type of jar, we would get the idea that the jar is what's important. And if you get nothing else out of this, the jar isn't very important in this story, I hate to tell you. So mm. you're a jar and you're not important, but... The good news is, so, so one, of the, one of the things we say here a lot at Harbor, one of our core values, um, is that we're real. Yeah. So what that means is that we don't, we don't play pretend about the kind of jar we used to be. So, you know, don't be rolling up here saying, oh, I'm fine, China, when we all know you were a trash can. It's not a big deal. What this, we, also, we also talk about being dumpster fires. Now, here's what, what this doesn't mean, is we don't sit around and go, I'm a trash can and I'm full of trash and that's okay because God loves me anyway. He loves me that I'm full of trash. This is what it said in 2 Corinthians 12.9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will Amen. boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. This isn't about bragging about still being full of trash. But what this is is saying, oh, hey, you, you think that God can't use you because you used to be a trash can? Yeah. I used to be a toilet bowl. I think you're fine. <laughs> I think. Come I think on. Can, I Come think on, somebody. Can do here. That's what it's about. 
But it's also saying, hey, I used to be a trash can, and now I'm a vessel for the Holy Spirit. If a trash can can be a vessel for the Holy Spirit, then so can everybody. Yeah, come on. And that's the point. That's, that's what we, when we say being real, that's what we mean. Yeah. And that's not the only, that's not the only thing that we learned from the story, though. It brings up the second question, though, is what, what was the widow lady supposed to be collecting? Was she supposed to be collecting pots and, and pans and jars? Well, you say, yeah, that's what the prophet said. Well, no. She's, her goal isn't to collect jars. Her goal was to collect oil. Now, I want you to notice the difference there, because, see, I think some churches think their goal is to how many people can we get in. The churches, there's a lot of churches right now starving for people, and I think it's because they made that the wrong goal. The goal isn't to say, how many people can we get in? See, when you start collecting a whole bunch of empty vessels, and you're not, you're not thinking about the mission of what I need to be collecting is that oil. I need the Holy Spirit filling them. What you end up with is you don't get a sanctuary filled with Holy Spirit and praise and growth. You end up with a museum filled with a bunch of dusty jars and pots. Which one describes churches more today? Because I think we've missed out on what it was that God called us to do. I think we missed out on the fact that God said, this is great and I made these this way, but they're all, in my eyes, they're all vessels made to hold something. Even the slightly broken ones, the ones with the weird markings on the outside, anybody got some tattoos, you know what I'm talking about? Like, all of them, all of them, I'm, I want to use them, I want to fill them with the Holy Spirit. And here's what will, what will make a church attractive. A church will be more attractive when these are filled with the thing that brings their value up. I think a lot of people have a misunderstanding. They think, man, if we can just do this, if we can just have more sections and more, like, like how I, 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 my brain was thinking, like, oh, more systems and more, more ideas and more things to make this work, and that's how it's going to go. Nah, you know what'll, what'll make, make the one out here? want to be over there is if this is the place where everybody's filled because it doesn't matter how many songs I add to our church or how many bands or how many children's rooms we have or how many how many hospitality places we get or how many campuses we start I can't add enough programs and and special stuff and funny jokes and all I can't add enough to the to the weekend experience to substitute what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and yeah make some noise for that let me let me give you a shout out because some of you are sitting there going, man, I want I want my I want my my son or my daughter, my husband, my wife, I want my my grandchild, I want my neighbor to come and get saved. I want them to I want them to know Jesus, and that's a great thing to want. But a lot of you are thinking, I I just want them to come here and, and get and get it. And man, I hope they do. And if you're here today because somebody invited you, they love you enough that they want to see you get filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a great thing. But here's what I would push back on. If this is your, your spouse or your friend or your loved one, your coworker, they need to get around something that's filled with the Holy Spirit and see what it is that they're missing out on. And maybe it's the Holy Spirit in you that makes it more attractive to them to say, hey, I want what she's got. I want what he's got. If all they do is hang out with another empty vessel, it doesn't matter what you do on, on your one hour a week that you call church. That doesn't do nothing. 
But when you get up together with them and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter if you're in the church building or not, you're showing them that they have something they're missing and they want they they should want what you've got. So it's different. I'm not trying to get a, I don't think Harbor needs to be a collection of empty cups. I think it needs to be a collection of people filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah when you when you get this uh, it's, yeah. It's really good. So when we get this wrong, we end up with a collection of empty jars. But the other thing that we do is when we don't understand what's really happening here, when we don't understand what it is that's supposed to give us power, what, is it, what it is that's supposed to fuel us, then we end up trying to do things as empty jars that really only full jars can do. Yeah. And we end that's up, good. And we end up burnt out. See, we kind of, we went into this. There, there's things we believe that God has more for this church. We do. We believe that God, there are more, greater, bigger things that God wants to do through Harbor. But some of those things, to be honest with you, we can't step into right now. And up until really very recently, the thought, what we thought was, well, that's because we don't have enough jars. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough, we don't, they don't have enough time. We don't have enough systems. There's not enough, there's not enough jars. We got to get more jars. It's, I'm embarrassed that that's what we thought. <laughs> it's, it's tough. Uh, being rebuked by the Lord is tough. Um, <laughs> ugh, I recommend it, but also don't. Anyway, back to back to business. But so we thought, okay, let's get more jars. Um, but in the last few weeks, we've seen we've seen the response. We've seen everything that's happening, and and we're realizing, I think they're I think that the jars might not be the problem. This woman, look at what happened with this woman. The jars that she had in her house, once they were filled were more than enough to pay off her debt and for her to live on. I think there might, no, I, I know that there are enough jars here to do the work that God wants yeah, us amen. to do come on. if they yeah, are come on. filled. But it's not, it's not going to work as long as we have empty jars trying to do what only full jars can do. Galatians says this, I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful mm. nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Mm. So there's a lot to unpack here as far as what it actually means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's, it, to sum it up, and we'll go into a little bit more, but part of it is when we, when we put our faith in Christ, it said that God gives us his Holy Spirit. When we let that Holy Spirit have full control over our lives, he actually gives us new desires. He changes the way we think. Yeah. He changes the way we process information. Mm. He changes the way we look at situations. So if you're going into, I'm going to use a basic example, just because whatever, we all go to this church, we have that in common. But like if you're trying to serve in a ministry team just on willpower and guilt, that's going to last like three weeks. You're going to serve joyfully for like three, maybe four weeks. I serve in a couple of different ministry teams in the church, super happy to do that. But like, yeah, there's, I'm a human being. There's weeks when it's tough. And the, and the times when it's tough, that's when I find out what it is that's fueling me. What am I filled with? Because if I'm filled with guilt, if I'm filled with church obligation, if I'm filled with wanting people to like me, if I'm filled with wanting to fit in, if I'm, fil if I'm, if I'm filled with feeling scared of what people will think of me if I'm not serving, then I'm not going to get very far. But when, yeah. I'm then the f when it gets hard, when it gets tough, when I don't get enough appreciation, when it's not going the way that I want, when I'm having to fill in on a shift, I'm just going to quit. Yeah. 
because that stuff doesn't last. But when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, then when it gets tough, he reminds me, hey, remember why you're doing this. Yeah. Remember the vision you have for this next generation while you're serving in Harbor Kids. Remember the burden that you have for these young families. Remember the responsibility I've given you to speak into their lives. Yeah. And that's going to get me through those hard times because what fuels you is what fills you. Yeah, amen. I mean, I'm, I, I mean you, you guys have to, you have to know Kay, Kaylee to, to know some of what, what she's talking about, how that came out in her life. I watched that happen. I watched over the course of a couple of years, the Holy Spirit transform Kaylee and her attitude towards serving and towards what God was, what God was calling to you, calling her to use and her talents and her gifts. Um, and that hasn't been a problem for me. I've always loved like serving. That's been, that thing has been good for me, but giving was, was where I struggled. And the Holy Spirit had to do a work in my heart. Like when I, when I, when I gave, when she's talking about serving out of obligation or serving out of guilt, when I gave, when I tithed out of like compulsion, like I felt like, oh man, this is the pastor's going to get on to me or people are not going to like me, or they're going to like me better if I give more. Or, or I, I felt this guilt trip. It did, if, if I gave out of anything other than what the Bible says, God wants a cheerful giver. When, when I was giving out of obligation, when I wasn't filled with the spirit, I, 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 it was very easy for me to find reasons to not give. Well, I don't know. I got to pay a bill. Well, I, I, it's going to get tough. Uh, once I allowed the Holy Spirit to, to invade my life and change my mind and, and begin to work through me, I then began seeing giving as something I got excited to do. I looked forward. Anytime anything happens, like, ooh, can I give that away? And when, I, when people would give me money, I was like, ooh, who could I give this to? And if I, if I had a windfall, I was excited to try to outgive God because I've never have yet. The poorest I was when I was trying to keep it for myself, it's gotten so much better saying, God, how can I just give whatever it is that you give me? And so when the Holy Spirit comes in and invades your life, it when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you change the way you see serving, you change the way you see giving, you change the way you see spending your time at work with a coworker. You, you all of a sudden, some of you get more patient or get happier or fill in the blank. I don't know what you need. I'm just looking out at a whole bunch of people staring at me like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm set. I'm saying sometimes when you get the Holy Spirit, it changes and it changes on a, on a level that you can't, I mean, like it's hard to describe what, what, what the journey's been like going through, but I mean, man, how powerful. Right. And we, we, we keep saying the Holy Spirit, which is accurate, but the Bible also says that to be clear, this is God's Holy Spirit. So the spirit that God is, the spirit that was in Jesus is offered to us. And when we let that spirit take the wheel, we start having thoughts that are smarter than we are. Yeah. Amen. We start having, we start having hearts that are kinder than we are. Yeah. We start being more generous than we actually are. Because what's driving the ship is not our original sinful nature. It's the nature Amen. of God. And when, and when you guys see this show up in, in, in the Bible, there's a time where Moses is trying to rally the children of Israel to build the tabernacle. And it actually says in Exodus 35 that the Lord has filled Bezalel, Bezalel, Bezi, all right, with the spirit of God. The man was filled with the spirit of God. And what happened? It gave him great wisdom, ability, expertise in all kinds of crafts. God wanted to do a work. God wanted to build something. And he found somebody that he could fill up with the Holy Spirit. And then that person became the person who had the answers, who had the skill set. When we're sitting there going, God, how do we do this? Where do we go next? It might not be that we got to find a great architect or find the best realtor or find the, the right lawyer or find the best teacher. It might just mean we need to find the man or the woman that can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God will go, I can use 
use her, I can use him more than if you go find the one that you think you need. And when God fills somebody up, all of a sudden, wow, they can do something amazing because Jesus said, I didn't just come to just set, like, like the, woman, the, 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 the woman in the story, she just wanted her boys to not be slaves. And, and Jesus says, yeah, that's what Satan wants for you. He wants to enslave you. The thief, in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I didn't come for that. I came to set you free, which is give you life, but I wanted to give you life abundantly. I'm not just here to just, oh, like, let, me just, let me just redeem this and say it's not a trash can anymore. No, he goes, I don't want to just take you and, and redeem you. I want to fill you up and give you abundant life. The Bible says God can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything you could ask or think. And that's because you're thinking too small. I just don't want my boys to be slaves. God's like, I don't want your boys to be slaves either. I don't want your friends to be slaves. I don't want anybody to be slaves. As a matter of fact, I want them to be set free and have abundant life. And this is what God is kind of calling us to. The problem is something's stopping us. So what's stopping us? What's holding us back? Well, it's that last part. What did he say? He said, go get jars. What was unique about all the cups and jars? They had to be empty. See, I think that's what's missing in churches. I stole my wife's little succulent plant thing that she has on her. She saw it and she's like, don't hurt my cactus. (laughs) It's really hard to get a cactus to do anything in Massachusetts. But you know what? If I bring... If I bring my jar and it's already full of something, it's not where it needs to be to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, see, if the boys, if that mom's boys went and grabbed the plants and didn't clean them out and she poured that oil in, nobody's going to buy oil from a dirty pot plant. Nobody's going to buy oil from the trash can that wasn't cleaned out. Nobody's going to buy it if there's already something in there. I'll have my goldfish in there. Just put the olive oil in it and we'll sell it. No, I need an empty vessel. That's what God's saying. I need, I need room to operate. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I know in my life, and I think if you're honest in yours, there's times where we say, God, I brought my, I'm here. God, I want you to do something. I came to church, God, do something. And God's like, there's nothing, there's no room in your life for me to, to do that. There's no room for me to, to operate. See, I'm filled up with all the things I do, and then I just want God to sprinkle a little his Holy Spirit on top. I know that'll preach. I'm going to do me. I'll take care of it. I got my priorities, the things I like. I got to make my money, make myself happy, date the people I want to date, do the things I want to do. But then if God wants to, like, put a little Holy Spirit on the top, oh, yeah. And then we're wondering, like, how am I not filled with the Holy Spirit? How am I, what am I missing out on? You're missing out on the fact that you're not empty. You're not empty. And so you're not going to be able to have that valuable thing, that olive oil, that pure, righteous, holy olive oil that is in this illustration, the Holy Spirit. You can't have that mixing around when you got two masters you're trying to serve. Was I supposed to say something else? I was, I was letting you go. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I was there going, I thought I had a verse I want to say about it. This is why Jesus, this is why Jesus said, you can just steal it in the next services when I forget. Uh, Jesus actually has this problem with the Pharisees. He goes to the Pharisees and he says, you guys, you guys are all about cleaning up the outside of the cup. 
you blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. I think churches have put too much of an emphasis. When we, if we understand the illustration of, of we need to be ready to receive, we, get, we spend so much time cleaning up that outside that we don't worry about what it is on the inside. And what that does is that stifles the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. That means you can, you can actually keep the Holy Spirit from doing the work that he wants to do in your life. Doesn't mean you're more powerful. It just means that he's going to let you choose to put crap in your life that blocks him. He's not going to make you be holy. He's not going to make you be clean. He's not going to let, he's going to make you empty yourself out. He's letting you choose. And if you choose not to, you stifle it. Well, how do I know if I'm stifling the Holy Spirit? How do I know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, Galatians 5, 19 says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, and Kaylee already read to you that the Holy Spirit battles with you to, to help you not follow your sinful side. So you either follow the spirit side or you follow the sinful side. If you follow the sinful side, the results are really clear. Here's some red flags for you. Here's a little litmus test for you. You're going to have sexual immorality, impurity. You're going to have lustful pleasures. You're going to have idolatry. That's when you, that means you're going to want to put something ahead of God. You're going to be into sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. Pastor, please stop reading this, this list. It's getting too long. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The people in the kingdom of God are the people filled with the Holy Spirit. Kingdom-minded people are Holy Spirit-filled people. Holy Spirit-filled people do not have that list of red flags going off in their life. Are we in that category? Are we going to be emptied out the way we're supposed to be emptied out? I'm going to have the band come up, and uh, I'm going to have them get ready as Kaylee kind of talks a little bit more about that idea. Because uh, we want to end the, the message not with saying, hey, the message over, go with it. We want to end by inviting the entire church to think through this process of being emptied out, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to have the band sing, make room. And when we do that, that's going, to, that's going to be an opportunity for us to say, God, let me be one more of these kind of vessels. Let me be one that you can use. Let this be a church that you can, you can see filled up. And yes, we're supposed to be emptied. We're supposed to say, okay, God, I'm, getting, I'm taking everything out and I'm ready. I'm ready to just, I'm ready to do whatever. I'll empty all my stuff out. And by the way, that's, in case you missed it, that's the beauty of salvation, is that Jesus cleans that inside of the glass for you, just so we're clear. Um, but the next part of it is, some of you are empty, and that's great, but you're not filled. And that's the next part. God doesn't want to leave you empty. He wants to fill you up. It says in Luke that if you who are wicked, talking to people, if you sinful people know how to give God good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So he's very clear that if we ask and say, God, give, you, give me more of your Holy Spirit, fill me up with the Holy Spirit, he'll do it. He's not going to say no. He says he'll always say yes to that. 
And then you say, okay, well, how do I, you know, I know if I'm, I know what to look for if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, but all right. So like, and some of you, you're Christ followers, but you're like, I don't know. Am I, I, I love Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I, I, I have salvation, but am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, here's how you know. Galatians 5.22 says that the fruits of the spirits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. So if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then you're going to start seeing these things in your life yeah. start to pop up. And that's how you know. If you're not seeing these things in your life, then maybe it's time to say, God, I actually, I need you to, I need you to fill me up with, with you. Mm. I'm going to ask you guys if you would to stand. I told you that when we started this series, I felt like God was going to tell me what it was that our church needed. And I was like, God, are you going to tell me what property to buy or what, what person to hire or what program to start? Are you going to, God, are you going to, you're going to, you're going to make a, a, a th something available that, that's going to be that answer? And he said, go back to the story that started it all and read it again. So I've been asking God, God, what do you got for us? Do I need to start another service? Because I feel like we got, we got so many more people to reach. Cape Cod has, hasn't even, we haven't even scratched the surface of, of people in, in Massachusetts that need to hear the gospel. So how do we get more churches started? How do we, what do we do? Do we, do, do we expand somewhere? Do we, do we just keep adding service? What do we do? And God said, hey, go back to the story. He said, as the pastor of Harbor Church, Josh, you're going to get up there and you're going to tell your people, my people, is that all of us need to be empty jars that come and get filled with the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, this is when this get when we get filled the way we were designed to be filled, he goes, all those questions are going to get answered. All those things that you keep praying about and keep asking me about, Josh, he's like, I want to fill the people that are there with my Holy Spirit. I want to watch that happen. I want to watch a room get excited about the presence of God coming. I want to watch marriages come back together because a husband and a wife get filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to watch somebody lay down in addiction because they get filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to watch somebody find hope and, and, and overcome a depression and overcome a, a sin that has been holding them back. I want to watch something happen in, in the lives of the people in Harbor when they get filled with the Holy Spirit and then we'll see what happens next. Because I don't, want to, I don't want to fill up a room with empty jars and then have you leave empty or half empty because that's not, that's not, that's not what's going to be what changes the world or, and, and changes our families. It's going to be us coming together, being encouraged, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and then going out, filled, running into the people we run into, talking to the people we talk to, working with the people we work with, go to school with the people we go to school with, filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's what God's going to use to change lives. So if you need to stand there and you need to pray and you need to ask God to, to change you, I know that everybody in here has some prayer they need. Maybe you need that first prayer we talked about to invite Jesus into your life for the first time. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. Make today the day that you have salvation. Maybe you need to invite God to empty you. God, forgive me for putting the wrong priorities, to, for being filled with the wrong things. You can pray that right now where you stand. God, I need you. Empty me out. Maybe you sit there and go, Pastor, I've done that. What next? Maybe your prayer is, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit and don't let anything else. I don't need anything else. I just need you. I need the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for you is that you would be willing to make room, not just right here, right now, but 
every day. It's going to be a battle for you tomorrow morning when you wake up to make room. And that's where, that's where the Bible says, offer yourself daily, offer a daily sacrifice where you say, God, I, it, it can't be me today. It's got to be you. Because Satan and the world will give you a thousand things to put in your container to fill your life up. And you need times like this where you say, no, I got to get that out, God. It's all about you. So do whatever you want, God, because I'm here. God, if you want me to talk to that person, if you want me to go that extra mile, if you want me to forgive with, even without being asked to, if you want me to give, if you want me to serve, if you want me to love, God, you do whatever you want because it's not me anymore. I'm filled with you. And I don't want that for just this room. That doesn't change anything. If, if we just keep it to here, the church isn't this building. The church is, this, is these people and we were designed to get filled and to go out and to let other people know they're missing something. So will you go with that as I pray over you? Will, you? will you let that just be something that rings true in your heart today, the rest of this week, for whatever it is that God's calling you to do? Will you just let that, that, that idea that God break down everything I've got in me that gets in the way of being filled with you? As I pray out loud, would you pray quietly and just make that, make that the thing that you leave here with, going, God, I need more of you and less of me. Help that be true right now and tomorrow and the next day. God, we ask all of this in your precious and holy name. We ask that you would be glorified. God, we ask that you would be honored. God, I pray for the person that needs you as their savior, that this is the moment where they, they get, come to the end of themselves and say, I need you, God. I need your salvation, your forgiveness. And Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that is being pulled in the wrong direction, that's being pulled by this world, by our adversary to, to have something less than your best. God, I know so often I'm filled with something that isn't the Holy Spirit. So Lord, empty us out and then fill us back up with what you have for us. Let us walk out of here changed. Let's walk out of here being a light in the dark world. Let's walk out of here being people excited to know you and to help others come to find you. And God, would you use that kind of a church? Would you use the kind of church that, that puts the priority on you and being known by you and being filled by you more than anything else? And God, would you bless that? We love you and we thank you. Lord, we praise you and we claim every promise that you've given us through the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.